Welcome to the Pharmacy Quality Solutions Quality Corner Show with your hosts, Jesse McCullough and Nick Dorch. We will talk quality of healthcare and explore what that actually means. Let's dig into performance measurements, the equip platform, and maybe de-stress and divert from the pharmacy conversation with occasional talk about nerdy passions and hobbies. Without further ado, here's Jesse and Nick. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Pharmacy Quality Solutions Podcast. I'm Jesse McCullough, and with me today, I have Nick Dorich. Nick, how are you doing today, my friend? Ready for another day of uh, active discussion. What are we uh, talking about today, Jesse? You, you know, I, one of the things that comes up whenever I'm traveling stores or when we're at events and we're talking with pharmacists, they all talk about how do they improve. And I thought it would be a good idea today to talk about the quality improvement process. Uh, how does that strike you? Is that something you, you think we can talk about today? It's one of my favorite topics, so that makes me very excited. Um, and I, I think that we'll be able to provide some good context about the quality improvement process. It's not something that most of us are taught in pharmacy school. Uh, I think we all think about it and we all think that we do that, but whether or not that's actually part of our daily operations, that might be something a little bit different. Yeah, that's, that's so, so true. And, uh, you know, just especially from the community pharmacy perspective, um, the idea of a quality improvement process, it's, it, it's, it's a little outside of what we traditionally see um, because it's it really, when we use words like process, that, that denotes several things. One, that it's, it's not a one-time event, but it's something that goes on and on. Yeah, it is. I think even when we talk quality improvement and that quality improvement process, I often see one particular word that tends to almost always be included with that, and it's the word continuous. Um, for those of us who have worked in a pharmacy, that's not necessarily how the day-in, day-out operations. You may be continuously filling scripts or dealing with calls from a patient, but in terms of how you're interacting with the patient and the process that goes into that, there isn't, al there isn't always, it's not saying it doesn't happen, but there isn't always a continuous assessment that's gone to evaluate the services done, services provided, and how we change those services uh, for the ultimate benefit of the patient. Yeah, you, you know, uh, oftentimes it becomes very, very easy to fall into a rut, and this is the way we've always done it. Uh, I remember one time in my dispensing days going into a store, and just the way the store was set up, we had uh, we had a section that we called fast movers, and uh, you know, depending on your pharmacy setup, you may call it the speed shelf. You probably have something, but the idea was is you just wanted to have these these medications that you use very frequently. You wanted to have them close. And uh, I'm not going to tell you what some of the products were because that'll just age me pretty rapidly. Uh, however, you know, at the time uh, we had a lot of brand name products there that had gone generic and we had the brand names close, but the generics far away. And uh, something that I always uh, look to do was just to optimize that, right? Just to make it so that your, your process could uh, be improved and you could uh, be able to fill those prescriptions more rapidly. Now, obviously that's an experience from probably pushing 20 years ago so we won't go uh, too much further into that uh, but um, it I, I think that's one of the key things that we need to recognize is that it's not just a one-time event that this is something that you you need to become aware of and then you need to be working on that every day it's sort of like you know, if, if we were to go to the gym and we wanted to get we want to get ourselves in better shape it doesn't happen if we go to the gym once 
a year, right? It's something that you need, you need to keep after in order to be able to really, really uh, uh, generate the results that you're looking for. Yeah, so I, I think with that, Jesse, there's, when I look at the quality improvement process or the continuous quality improvement process, I think there's some uh, tenants that you tend to see um, looking at different healthcare organizations or different types of groups, institutions, and the items that they've noted that really start to become um, necessary to have a quality improvement process. So do you think it's worthwhile for us to go through some of those steps and help provide that context for our listeners? Absolutely. Take, t- take it away. All right. So I'm going to go through just some of the kind of key topics. And I think here we've got maybe five or five or six. And um, Jesse, you're going to help keep me on on pace and on target for our 20 uh, minute podcast here um, with with these descriptive items. But um, there's a lot of places you can go as to learn about more information and resources about quality improvement process at AHRQ. Um, the uh, AAFP, which is the Academy for Family uh, Family Physicians. So there's a lot of different areas where you can look and get more information about the quality improvement process. But there's some basic tenets that really go into what makes this effective. So uh, I'm going to list them out here to first to start. Um, and then Jesse, you can give us some feedback uh, based on these items. But uh, core elements that go into a quality improvement process. One, establishing a culture of quality in your practice. Two, determining and prioritizing areas for improvement. Three, collecting and analyzing data. Four, communicating results. Five, a commitment to ongoing evaluation. And then six, spreading your success. So with those six listings that, uh, that we have there uh, and, and going through for those items, for you as a pharmacist, for someone that's practiced in a community pharmacy, what items immediately... Uh, ring a bell, maybe that get you particularly excited. Maybe some give you a little bit of heartburn. What are your initial thoughts? Well, I'll tell you, Nick, I'm going to ask you first, would you mind going through those six just one more time? Um, We had, or or just correct me. Number one was establishing a culture of improvement. Number two was determining the area where you want to improve. Uh, Three was to collect and analyze your data. And uh, for I, I'm and, and just for the listeners out there, I'm taking notes with you. This is um, you know as we talk about continuous quality improvement, uh, I'm I'm trying to continuously improve while we're doing this podcast. But Nick, what was number four again? Communicate your results. Communicate your results. And then uh, five was um, commit to ongoing evaluation. And number six was to spread your success. And every one of those steps is, is so, so key. Um, in the pharmacy, I would tell you this. Um, I have done parts of all of these. And I would tell you just in, uh, in, in my career, we've um, established it. ADA or AADE uh, diabetes education sites. We've done some different things where CQI was very much an element of it. And it's one thing to get this game plan down, uh, but it's another thing to keep doing it, right? And I think that 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 really speaks to just the the, the continuous nature of this. To me, um, and I've worked in a number of different pharmacies over my career, um, I think one of the things that I see most variable in pharmacies is actually what you see in step number one, uh, that establishing a culture. And I've worked in some pharmacies that have really, really good cultures. And I've worked in other pharmacies that have cultures 
that could be improved, right? And so when you look at that, I think that that is a foundational piece uh, to be able to um, position your pharmacy to improve. Uh, if, if, if you're out there saying, hey, I want our pharmacy to get better, but nobody else on the team thinks you need to get better or is aware or anything like that, that's really going to slow you down. So, um, you know, I think that that's a, uh, a very much a foundational first step. Yeah, it's, um, there's, a, there's an old saying in the, in the English uh, language, right, that, um, uh, that, that doing things the way we've always done them, that that's the most dangerous phrase in the English language, right? And when it comes to quality improvement, that's absolutely uh, the truth. Um, we, everybody has to have, and, and I want to be clear in this part, that it doesn't mean that every new idea is perfect or that it's foolproof, right? That's definitely not the indication um, that we want to be uh, giving off as, as it goes to um, this type of question. But it is definitely an element where um, people need to have an open mind. Everyone has, uh, everyone does have room for improvement with what they're doing, how they're providing a service. Um, and, and really people need to be engaging um, around that. That holds true for the pharmacist. That holds true for the technicians in your pharmacy. We can all do a little bit of a better job to taking that approach um, when we need to be learning together on those elements. Yeah, I, I, I wrote this little note down here, um, and, I, and this is just a turn of phrase that I, I use from time to time, but it, uh, it goes like this. To get somewhere you've never been, you'll have to do some things you've never done. Right. So, you know, if you look at where you are uh, in anything, um, you, you know, if you want to get to a different place and you're probably gonna have to change some of the things that you're doing, um, that uh, the, the things that you're doing right now, that's going to generate the results that you're currently getting. Um, whether you're looking at your performance scores in the, in the pharmacy, uh, if you're looking at uh, uh, how you shoot free throws on the basketball court, how you do with your diet, whatever it is, you know, as long as those things, you know, you stay the same, you're, you're going to have to make some different adjustments to get different results. Um, so I, I think that's one thing is that you do have to generate that culture and you do need to, you do need to be prepared to say, well, this may have been the way we've already done, we've always done things, but I think there's some other things that we can do uh, to change that. And obviously the intent is for a positive impact and that may not happen with everything you try. You know, I, heaven knows I've had a number of wonderful ideas and I say that somewhat sarcastically, uh, <laughs> that, uh, that didn't work out the way that I intended them. Uh, but you know, the fact of the matter is, is that that was a learning experience. I learned what not to do. And that, I think that's a, uh, a, a key thing. Yeah, so Jesse, that really gets into principle two, which is determining and prioritizing your potential areas for improvement. And this goes to um, really kind of, uh, again, another common phrase where if you're trying to accomplish everything, you're going to be accomplishing nothing. Um, and if you're, if you're really trying to be a perfectionist with, with all items, it's going to be difficult to have success with, with everything that's there. So um, in a lot of ways, I think about this um, the way that I was taught in pharmacy school where when I was doing a slide presentation, if we had three or if we had more than three or four bullet points, we were really losing the conversation of point and quality improvement goes the same way. If we're trying to accomplish everything that we can um, with that, we're not going to be achieving positive results on, on really any of those items. So if you're going to give something your time, your energy and your dedication, make sure you're putting in those effort to those items. 
focus on those, show the quality improvement, get some wins, get some success. That helps drive morale, which is essential for a quality improvement program, and grow your success from there. Absolutely. Um, you know the expression that came to my mind? It's the old proverb of the man who chases two rabbits and catches none, right? As we talk about this culture of improvement, Nick and I are going to come from the angle of performance measures that are in the marketplace. Um, that may be where you're at, or it may not be. You may be looking at how do I optimize delivery? How do I, um, you know, how do I take advantage and optimize my immunization services or whatever, whatever it may turn out to be? Um, but um, I think it very much comes down to you have this whole menu of things that you can be working on, and uh, there really is some. Uh, fantastic things that can happen when you figure out which one you want to focus in on. Now, um, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to give a little bit of an editorial here, Nick, you can, uh, you can Go correct ahead. me on yeah. this, but <laughs> when, we, when we talk about, when we talk about performance measures and heaven knows there's a bunch of them out there, um, I would really, really encourage pharmacies to look at those adherence measures in the same bucket because the process that you used to uh, now may, maybe you're going to want off maybe you're going to want to start off and really just target the diabetes or the statins or the, the rosas or whatever but to me those those get so close to the same thing you can start with one but then you're going to be able to scale that to, to the other two very very quickly or you just start off with those uh, all at the same time depending on your situation uh, because i think that's really from a performance measure perspective where the marketplace is now and looking to drive out you. Um, you, you know, I've trained, oh heavens, I've trained thousands of pharmacists on, uh, on performance measures. And, uh, in, and sometimes in spite of really emphasizing the adherence, you have people that really fall into, oh, I got to be working on this flu shot measure or this, uh, or this high risk measure, whatever it turns out to be. I think the one that really has a tremendous impact, um, for your business, uh, to begin with is right there in that, um, in those in those adherence measure spaces yeah it really goes to so this is going into uh, our, our principle number um number three on the list collecting and analyzing data that really becomes a key uh item with this because you can you, you can have a pharmacy you can have a pharmacist that's fully committed to improving performance for whatever it is a specific item but um in in not all cases there are, there, are, there are areas or there are going to be examples, right, where people can be very high performing and that quality improvement from a certain level or a certain threshold can be very difficult to do if you're already a high performer. Um, this, goes, this goes to the idea um, that you can't uh, improve what you're not measuring. And if you're already doing very well, um, it's not saying don't look at quality improvement for that topic or for that area or for that measure, um, but perhaps there are other areas that do need to have a focus. So um, in, in, in pharmacy and in healthcare, there's a lot of information we work with. Some of it's subjective, some of it objective. I think it's important to consider both of these elements. Objective information is a lot easier to analyze and see how that kind of trends or changes over time. But we are all human after all. Um, at least I think we are, uh, <laughs> but uh, we need to have subjective. There needs to be a human component to it as, as well, um, whether that's how the patients are interacting with the changes, whether that's how your staff members are relating to these changes in the quality improvement process, but you can't just look at numbers. You have to treat the patients, you have to treat the people that you're training and working with. You also have to treat them like people. 
Absolutely, absolutely. Um, as we move into these steps three and four here, Nick, collecting the data and then communicating the results, um, you know, again, it comes down to what you're looking at, but uh, I think that with the Equip platform, you have something that becomes very objective to be view your results in the marketplace. Now, that's uh, that, that's assuming, of course, that you're looking at some of these performance measures, uh, but you, you would also have whatever intervention that you're applying to that, right? But that's going to get you to the ultimate to the ultimate result that you're wanting to impact. Yeah, that's exactly the idea um, as it relates to you know, equip how that's used by pharmacists. That is an objective tool that goes to the quality improvement process. Um, that that goes to how you track performance scores over time. Um, and I think we're going to have another podcast in this series down the road that specifically gets into how you're tracking, how you're looking at those results, and how you see that information changing. Because um, that is uh, 100% a, a necessary part um, when you're hands on working with patients day in day out, you don't necessarily think about that component of it, but you need to be tracking how that performance changes and how that, how you look at training your staff um, for those elements. Absolutely. Absolutely. So step number five was uh, commit to ongoing evaluation. What thoughts do you have around that step, Nick? Um, it really needs to be a continuous process. It, 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 and this, this one really speaks to that element um, the easy conversation or the, uh, a point of reference that I can think of is when talking with pharmacies um, about how they're doing quality improvement, um, they may say from time to time throughout the year, you know, they are focusing on improving adherence or they are focusing on some other, other elements, but then they may go away from focusing on adherence uh, for two or three months. Um, and when they go away from doing that adherence, they're losing those touch points, those adherence conversations with the patient. And so where this can become troublesome is if that patient was had a focus that you helped them reach on why they should be adherent, um, but then you stop having those conversations for two or three months, what's the patient going to be thinking about that adherence conversation? It's not fresh in their mind. It's not consistent. So they're probably not going to be remembering it either. So if you as the practitioner are not consistent with it, the patients are probably not going to be consistent with their behavior either in that regard. Yeah, I, I may have a slightly more cynical perspective on that. You know, and I, I think it's important to consider this from the patient's perspective, because that's ultimately where you're wanting to impact, right? You're wanting to provide the best possible care to these patients. And if you go talking to them about a particular topic, whatever that is, be it adherence, um, be it on vaccination. And, and uh, I think you and I worked on a project uh, years ago about this, where uh, we were looking at uh, patients who were uh, eligible for an immunization. Mm -hmm. And we would have uh, pharmacists would be reaching out, would be talking to the patient. Well, then when the patient comes in, um, I would bet, um, and I, I think I'm making this uh, uh, a bit of a tradition on this podcast, and it's, it sort of scares me a little bit, but because uh, I'm not a betting man, but I'm going to use the expression, if I bet a nickel, <laughs> if, I, if I bet a nickel that, you know, when the patient walks back in the store that they think, oh, yeah, last time I talked with the pharmacist, they were talking to me about whatever vaccine. Um, and I wonder if they're going to say anything to me about it today, because um, they may be thinking, I can't wait, or I would rather not get stabbed with a needle today, right? Um, and to that end, when that conversation doesn't continue, 
that's, you know, sometimes what you don't say is just as important as what you do say, right? So if, if, if we had had these conversations with a patient and then when the patient presents in the store to the, to the location where that care can be provided and then that conversation isn't continued, that sends a, to, to me, I think that sends a very strong and powerful message. And it may not be the right message, right, about what's best uh, about what's best for their care. So it's, uh, you know, I, I'll go back to it. You know, we, we look at this as a process and, and that's a little bit different than what we see in the, uh, in, in the community setting. Uh, a, a lot of stuff in the community setting, while you have processes, a lot of it is event, right? The event is a prescription presents, you fill it correctly, the patient's on their way, um, in, in whatever that timeline looks like. Uh, but with this, we're talking about that process for how do we get better at it and, and, and do those little things that can make a big difference. Yeah, and this goes to the last point on, or for the principles in terms of spreading your success. If you're not doing something consistently and it's working, why wouldn't you be doing it on a regular routine basis, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. If something's going well, you probably want to keep doing that service. Whereas if you're doing a lot of different little things and you're kind of all over the place, um, your, your focus is diverted um, and you need to have a good approach effort for these items. So um, I, I know that for, for this topic, uh, it, it can be a little bit... Um, it, it, this, this one can be a little bit troubling for folks um, because there are a lot of things to do in a pharmacy, right? I think we all recognize and acknowledge that, um, but it does go into how you have a process for managing the patient care and how you're doing the follow-up because um, how it turns out how you may do an interaction with patient, patient Joe might be a good approach to working with patient Mike or patient Joan or patient Debbie, right? Um, so there's a lot of different ways that you want to take a look at that and determine that what are the successes? What are the ways that really drive success for patients? Um, everybody's different, but um, there's a lot of similarities too. So find what those are and drive hard on those opportunities. Yeah, it really helps you expand your toolkit, right? You, yes. you, you'll, have, you'll have the same general issue, right? We need to address adherence. We need, uh, we need to help somebody fill whatever care gap, whatever it turns out to be. And uh, just being able to expand those different tools that you have to be able to know how to interface and interact with those with those patients, I think that is really a, uh, a key, key thing. Um, for those of you that are listening today, first of all, I just want to say thank you for that. Um, I realize that this can be a big, big topic uh, to be looking at, and that maybe it's a little bit of a new topic for you, but uh, I do want to encourage you to take some, some time and really give this to give this some consideration. Uh, and I want to just give you this thought as we, uh, as, as we look to wind things down on this particular episode. Uh, and uh, the thought is this, is that the only way to ensure that tomorrow is better is to do something to improve today. And I'm going to say that to you again. The only way to ensure that tomorrow is better is to, in, is to improve something today. So uh, I want to encourage you to, to really give that to some consideration, and uh, uh, I would very much encourage you also to put some, uh, uh, some intentional effort into that continuous uh, quality improvement, because uh, once you get on that train, once you adopt that culture, that's step number one, uh, you know, the sky can be the limit for what, what it is that, 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 that you're doing. 
Nick, do you have any final comments here today before I, before I take us home? No, not today, Jesse. I know we covered a lot here. Hopefully we gave people a lot of different thoughts. Um, I, I would say one, uh, or my, I guess my, my last single thought, this topic isn't just uh, important to how we operate as pharmacists, how we operate as clinicians. Um, these are processes you can really build into your own uh, personal life as well. Uh, I know I've got a lot of different ways in how I build this into some components of my personal life. My significant other finds it infuriating at times <laughs> and how I operate that, uh, but it is an important item as well. So think about how you could uh, use these principles in, in your, your life at home, in your social circles, beyond just uh, your circle of how you're working as a pharmacist. Yeah, yeah. Once, once you sort of get the bug for this, you can find all different uh, places to, to apply it. So uh, with that, listeners, I want to just take a moment to say thank you so much uh, for investing your time with us today. I want to encourage you to do a couple of things. Number one, I want to encourage you to share this podcast with two friends, because if you share it with two friends and they share it with two friends, that's going to really help get the word out about what we're doing here. Um, I also wanted to uh, let you know that we welcome your questions. And so any questions that you may have uh, around uh, performance and quality measurement in pharmacy, uh, please feel free to email those questions to us. You can send that email to info at pharmacyquality.com. Again, info, I-N-F-O at pharmacyquality.com. Nick and I come together here so that we can share our perspectives and our insights on what's happening in the performance measurement space. We want to help you become as effective as possible in how you care for your patients. So until next time, we wish you well.